Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are Peter Rutzler and Thomas Scholes. What a slobber knocker of a weekend we have had in European football, in all honesty. Goals galore and surprises across the continent, with only one manager parking the proverbial bus, but not in Liga. It was all action, and all of that and more, including your questions, after the latest headlines. Monaco dropped points again on Friday as they were beaten by a Nabil Fakir-inspired Lyon at the Parc OL. The Frenchman grabbed two and set up the other as Legon snapped their current streak of five without a win with a 3-2 result. Dijon almost sprung yet another surprise on Paris Saint-Germain on Saturday afternoon, but Thomas Mounier denied Benjamin Jano's incredible volley from grabbing a point for the relegation candidates. In the multiplex, Angers finally picked up their second win of the season in a 2-0 victory over Caen, while Toulouse also broke out of their current funk with a 1-0 win against Amiens. Saint-Étienne came from behind to beat Metz, with Lever scoring three goals in the final 15 minutes to run out 3-1 winners, while Rennes fans are already calling for Christian Gorkou's head after a 2-0 loss at the Ruderu against Gangomp. Wabi Kazri's red card helped sour matters for the side on just six points from nine games. Lille also failed to win for the seventh game in a row, with Edgar Ie hilariously being sent off for mistaken identity late on, and a trois penalty giving the visitors a 2-2 draw. On Sunday, Bordeaux and Nantes cancelled each other out in a rather dull one-all draw, while Montpellier made it an incredible five points from their last three games against last season's top three, beating Nice 2-0 thanks to a magnificent strike from Stefan Sessegnon and a goal from substitute Isaac Mbenza. And in the weekend's final match, we had a real spectacle. Steve Mondonda's record-breaking appearance was overshadowed by an enthralling match with so many chances Yet Costas Mitroglou saved Marseille's blushes late on as the game against Strasbourg finished 3-0. That's all for the news, but remember, to today, stay up to date with all your French football news, head on over to our website at www.frenchfootball.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. I absolutely butchered the website. It's www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. Don't forget that. Ignore that slight mistake. <laughs> we start this week in Lyon as they really showed against a team they love to do it against in Monaco. Um, Tom, I'll start with you. What what else could what else could we start talking about really? Other than that man in the moment, Nabil Fakir. Now, I know we've said at times that there's been glimpses of him being back in the past, but now does this feel like we can board the hype train again? Absolutely it does. What a game that was. Oh, it was such an it was such an enjoyable weekend of football. And this was that this was the first game that I managed to watch and it, it set the tone for the week. You know, it was just so enjoyable and it was goal after goal and, you know, there was action everywhere. And what's, you know, when you've got an action-packed game, what's better to top it off than a last-minute winner in front of your home fans? You know, especially from someone who who was so good in the game. He, he's, like you said, we spoke about it before, he's showing signs of getting back to himself. But I think this might be the turning point for him. I think this might be where we look, towards the end of the season, we look back at this game where Fekir became the top, top player that he, that we all thought he was going to be. And, and, and the form he was beforehand, before his really nasty injury a couple of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of years ago. But he, he's been fantastic so far this season. And this game against Monaco was, was, Almost typical of how he's been. He 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 took the game and he 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 literally won it by himself. You know he he was the guiding light at times for Leon and you know his free kick and how he celebrated it showed how much it means to him to to the rest of the team and especially to the fans. So if there if if the Neville Fekir hype train is is pulling up to the station, I count myself. I'm going to get on this one this time. He he's been fantastic so far. Yeah. 
Peter, we always thought when he first got injured that it was it was a really bad one. I can remember it in that game against Caen a couple of years ago with his with his knees and and he never really got back up to speed the season after when he did come back. This season it's been gradual. There's been glimpses. There's that wonderful goal he scored from from near the halfway line early this season. And but this feels like that performance that puts him back on the track we expected to be on, doesn't it? Yeah, and he's he's responded really well to the uh, to the role given to him by Genesio as captain. He's he, he's taken that on board, and he's he has stepped up. And it's it's interesting to see how a player reacts like that because it can often go in two ways. And especially for someone like Fakir, I mean, he has been very inconsistent the last few years, especially after that injury. Um, but normally, when someone who has been not necessarily always first name on the team sheet. But, you know, now suddenly you're thrown in the limelight. You're told you are the man to take us forward. It can it can fall both ways. And I think Fakir is, is kind of like that. He could easily have gone the other way. But it, credit to him. And he has he has stepped up and he is leading by example. And that's that's the kind of captain you want. There's, you talk about captains, sometimes you have leaders on the pitch who are vocally loud, get on, get on players' backs. Um, or you have those who lead by example. And, and Fakir is doing that. That's the way he's uh, he's transmitting his authority. And... And as Tom was saying, he, he was outstanding against Monaco. And when, when, when things are down, because it's not as though Leon have, been, Leon have been in good form, they've been inconsistent, they've struggled really to, to create a sort of a, an identity for themselves this season. They've conceded a lot of goals, they've squandered a lot of leads. Um, and I think another draw against Monaco in a game they, they, they may feel they, they should have won um, would have been another blow for Genesio, and especially for those who, who, who want him to go. But Fakir stepped up when it really mattered and with a superb free kick as well um, so to the keeper's side. But uh, as soon as he won it, you, there was no way that De Plinkter Pie came over and tried to take it off him. And it's just no way. He, yeah. he, he, <laughs> he, he wanted to take it and, and he scored. And that's, that's exactly what you want. And for Genesio, he is such a bonus. And some, for some people, he may, he may be the reason that he's still in the job because, you know, I mean, Leon are what, the top three at the moment, but they haven't been as consistent as, as they would like. Um, I think tactically there are some issues. Uh, I think what has been interesting is that finally Depay has been dropped and Hassan Awa, I uh, hope I pronounced that right, better than the commentators did on Friday night anyway. Um, yeah, he's really stepped up to the mark as well, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a second. But Fakir has definitely been the man, and, and uh, Genesio is certainly pleased about it. Yeah, no, it does help having someone of that quality in the ranks. And his, I'm just waiting for one more bit where we can see one of those little mazy dribbly runs because he's got such incredible close ball control. And my favourite moment wasn't actually a goal. I, I really like his assist for that opener. It's it's such a lovely little shift of feet. And he's Glick is pretty close to him. You can't really argue with the defending from the Polish international. He's not enormously far away from him. He's not giving him an enormous amount of space. But Fekir bends it round him like he like he's a like he was meant to be there so he could bend it round him. It was absolutely exquisite ball and it, it, it was it was begging for Mariano Diaz to be on the end of it and, and stick it away. And how glad we all are that he's back. But <laughs> The one thing I would say about Fakir is that as much as he's done well, I mean, all his goals have been at home. Um, he's performed relatively well on the road, but I think that's part and parcel with the way that the side have as a whole. Um, so I think in terms of whether we think he, he is back and take that next step that's what he's going to be looking at definitely um but yeah he, i think he's third top scorer in the league now and if you're scoring all your goals at home just add a few away and then we're talking about a whole new level entirely yeah he, he now just needs to if he can produce it a little bit more again if he can start doing this being the leader that he's he's started to show it'll be a bit really impressive but another real talking point tom was yet again and and Peter's briefly mentioned was the absence of Memphis Depay. He's been out a few times this season. They were they was omitted from the complete squad a couple of weeks ago, uh, as well as Maxwell Corner. He's been relegated to the bench for for Awar, who's uh, debutised quite nicely in his in his place. Is this the right kind of move from Genesio, eliminating the Dutchman that can be so hit and miss? I think if you've got a young player that's waiting to come in and take their opportunity. We've seen it across, you know, for as long as we've been loving football and people before us have, there's always been a young player that's ready to take the spot of someone that isn't performing. It looks like it's happening now. And honestly, there's only one person that can be blamed for this. And it's Memphis Depay himself. 
this was the this was meant to be the move where he rolled up his sleeves and went right. I'm going to become a top player now. I want to show everyone that you know I am. I do have the quality. Man United were right to pay that money for me, uh, and he it was meant to be his time to be the star of the team. And it's he started off quite well. People remember the the goal from the halfway line that he scored, and it, it was it was a wonderful goal, and you, know, you can't fault him for that. But he should have kicked on. He should have kicked on, and he should have increased his level, increased his attitude. I think I was reading either this weekend or earlier today that he um, he sees himself at Real Madrid in a few years' time. Uh, I, I mean, I could say that, but it doesn't make it mean it's going to happen. It doesn't mean it's true. Um, he's he's really got to have a look at himself, I think, because if he doesn't buck his ideas up and you know knuckling down. And making an impact when he gets on, and when he, you know, changing the game when he's got the ball, like people expected him to, and like his potential at PSV suggested he could, he was outstanding there. And there was a lot of hype with him going to Manchester United, and you know, it didn't work out there. This was meant to be his move. This was meant to be where Depay, you know, revitalised his career, showed everybody that he was a good player. But it's gone the opposite way so far. And you know, I just, I'm a massive fan of his. I really have liked him for years and years since he was at PSV. But it just, it seems to be the same old story again. A glimpse of talent mixed with a lot more underperforming and outlandish statements that doesn't match his game. And he's paying the price for it. Man. Peter, it, I feel a little bit sorry for him at times, but at the same time, you, you can't help but feel a little bit annoyed that he, like Tom says, he's he's had a great chance and he's he's not taking it. And I, I'm just thinking, comparing to someone else that struggled at Manchester United and, and moved on and took probably a greater risk in Wilfred Zahar. And he really kicked on at Palace and that deservedly has been linked with with big clubs. But Depay got what could be relatively, which well, is a step down, yes, but it's it's a much greater step than something like Palace. But Again, he's showing those moments where he loses the ball in stupid areas. He's he's not trying to create anything. He just seems to wander out of games and, and into games. It's could it be a flop? Really? It, it's a lot of money to spend on someone that they're they're benching at the moment. For legal standards, yeah, I would say flop could could be the word we'll be using about him soon enough. I do agree with Tom. I think there is a real disconnect between what he sees himself as and what he actually is. I remember when he was at United and he'd drive in and his, I think it was, I can't remember, it might have been Patrick Clivert, but I'm not sure. Uh, one, of those, one of the Dutch greats commented on him and his, and his attitude when he wasn't getting in the team, he wasn't playing. And he's talking about his big cars because he's taking photos of them or whatever. And I'm, we're seeing reflections of that with this Real Madrid remark that we made the other day or the, earlier today, which is just ludicrous. Like the, the man is nowhere near that sort of level. Um, Zaha's an interesting comparison to make, actually, because uh, I, I heard a, there was an interview on uh, BBC Five Live over the weekend with, uh, with Zaha, and he spoke really well. And he's a, he is actually a player entirely different in terms of his, his approach to the game. Because uh, when he joined United, talked about, you know, he was <laughs> pinching himself, you know, uh, wanting to take the opportunities if they come, he'll just get his head down, he'll train. Um, obviously, it was a time of transition, didn't take the opportunities when they came. Uh, it's definitely a confidence player, so I guess there's a similarity there. And then went out to Palace and and went back to Palace, sorry, and and, and proved his ability. Depay is really interesting because it's quite difficult to see what he really does bring to the table. Because I mean, at PSV he scored goals for fun. Um, it, it, Ligue 1 is a different. Uh, story entirely to, to Gary Devizi. And I was speaking to Julian Laron earlier this week, actually, uh, and we were talking about Depay, and he was saying that in the Eredivisie, <laughs> his view is that there is, it's, there's no real tactical nous to it. There's no physical edge to the Eredivisie. It's very much attack v defence. Whereas you go to the Premier League and it's far more intense. It's all about physicality and intensity of your game. And Tupai was shown up for not having that in his locker. He's now come to Liga, and tactically, it's a more uh, demanding league. And Genesio especially, where he wants work rate from his players. Um, and he hasn't done that. And in both aspects to his game, he hasn't improved upon. I think longer term, you know, you've got players like, like Hasemoa, who's come through and 
and he, I can't see him being dislodged. He's played a couple of games and he's been superb. Awa seems to have some kind of understanding with Fakir. He looks composed. I've been really impressed with what I've seen from him um, in a way that we haven't from Depay. And you have to wonder if he doesn't step up the next, and he doesn't make, I don't know, he's got to prove himself in training again, I guess, to, to force the issue. Um, we're looking at him potentially taking that label as a flop, as you said. And that's, that's quite striking. And for someone who's had so many opportunities, I mean, he has been a mainstay in that Leon starting 11 for a while now. He has been there for a while, since January last year, if I'm right. Um, you know, you shouldn't really be, you shouldn't be dislodged from his position. When you're brought in as a key player like that, it shouldn't happen. Um, so, yeah, I agree with Tom, especially about his mentality. And that's where it comes down to. And if you compare him to Zahar, Zahar's got the, got the right mindset. He's gone to Palace and done well. Depay has come to Lyon and hasn't stepped on. Could just be ability, who knows? But at the moment, he hasn't added anything to his game that, that is strikingly different. He hasn't shown that signs of progression. Yeah, which is worrying. And then you start thinking, how, how did Leon clear their hands of him if they want to as well? That becomes a, a minefield of its own, really. Um, let's move on to the, really their opponents, at least. And it was another disappointing evening for Monaco, really. Tom, is, is that possibly their title challenge over already? Um, I wouldn't say it's over. It's never over until it's over, but it's almost over. It is slowly getting towards it. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot that rides into it, and you can look at... For me, there's two factors in it. They've had to replace a lot of key players. I know they've kept a lot from last season, but they had to gel the younger, you know, newer players in. And the fact that PSG are just on a roll. I mean, it was going to take a lot to stop them anyway. But maybe last year they win this game, or at least they don't lose. You know, I think... I don't think it's over just yet. There's still life left in the tank, but a lot will have to come down to how much the the opposition in the title challenge, which, you know, it's going to be PSG, and I don't think anyone below is going to put up anything. But it, it, a lot comes down to whether they're going to drop points and how, you know, if, if they draw an away, an away game, Monaco have to capitalise and, and, you know, not have results like this where they could have caught up on, they could have made ground on them. Instead, they go and lose and... Now they're further adrift from, from where they were when they started. Uh, but yeah, ultimately it's not over, but it's it's looking rather bleak for them. Yeah, and Peter, you think back to the chances for Adama Traore in the second half. Kaita Balde had a had a good one that would have made it three two before Fakir's goal. There's there's little bits here and there, but is it a case of some players not pulling their weight, or is is Jody maybe needing to shift things with this with his new squad? I think this game is probably one of the clearest examples of how much Monaco are in transition, just like the, the Nice game was when they were battered. Um, I think without Falcao, they, they show, I think actually start with the positive. I mean, without Falcao, they scored goals. That was my main concern. I mean, they've been so, they've been so reliant on that. Sorry, I'm throwing my microphone on the floor. Yeah, okay. um, um, they've been so reliant on uh, Falcao for goals and you know they, they, they found them. They were able to, to cut through a, albeit porous, Leon defence. Um, but in general, I mean, they, they, were, they were missing Fab Fabinho, who was suspended. Uh, Jovetic was injured as well and obviously Falcao is coming back from international duty. So there are, there are a number of players missing. But they really did strike. They, they struck me anyway as a side that was not settled. Um, Defensively, it had Congolo at fullback, a left back. He did okay. He did okay, but he didn't look comfortable. Almami uh, Torre did all right at right back, but I think on the two the two fullbacks were for me the, the weaker the weaker areas. Uh, they left uh, Jemison and Glick slightly exposed, and Fakir had a great time on in that half in the uh, left hand his left hand half space. Um, I think he I think for Jardim he'll want more from from Lamar. I think we we talked about. Uh, in earlier episodes about how important the season will be for Lamar to step up and he's yet to do that I mean it's there for him the door is open for him to take games by the scruff of the neck and really control them and we're yet to see that and I think in a, in that Monaco lineup missing a number of key players I think that was a good opportunity for him to lead in a way that we've seen Fakir lead at, at Lyon um, and I don't think he did that um, I think players like Balde 
Um, he, he's still settling in. That's very clear to see. Um, he's clearly got talent. He was he was excellent at Lazio, and I mean he was he start he was uh, put up front by uh, Jardim, so that's new to him anyway, as as uh, traditionally as a wide man. Um, Adama Traore coming in had Mate in the middle, and the game seemed to pass him by as well. Would have been nice to see Tielemans start, but I think the 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 way that game transpired it, it did it did, was very clear that they are they are a side in in transition and for Jardim it's it's difficult because you know he's got he's got European football to think about they've got Besiktas this week um so you want to keep his best players fit and it's going to take time I don't when it comes to talking about the tire race I don't think it's it's over necessarily but I I think once they lost Mbappe I think you know I think we, we mentioned it before I think that the league is it's a done deal anyway there's not I can't see how PSG are going to be stopped. Um, but for, for Jardim, he will keep chopping and changing because he's got to try and find this the right formula. And there are a lot of young players in there, really young players. Um, and they, they've got to find their feet. And that, it'd be nice to see some of the, the bigger players stepping up to the mark in the way Falcao has. Um, and I was disappointed in Lamar, I think, on, on Friday night. And yeah, and a tough fixture to come in midweek against Besiktas. They've been excellent in the Champions League, although they've they've slipped up in recent times in in the in the Turkish division. So it might give them uh, some hope at least. Anyway, but gentlemen, Liga is an easy league, right? Isn't it? I mean, I mean, PSG had to rely on their right back really to get them out of jail in in Dijon. Tom, um, can we dispel that myth right now? Because it's going to not really take no effort at all for the Parisians to claim that title because this this was a, a sticky one again. Well, it's not a myth to us. You know, we mm. we watch it and we know we know what it's like. It's, it's to people that don't watch it. It's a myth. But you know, you know what? I think it is. It's, it's it's gonna. This is gonna sound odd, but hear me out. They're gonna win the league at a canter. We know they are, but it's gonna be tough for them because you know. You get some of these away games, and with all due respect to teams like Dijon and, and you know the, the rest of, of the likes of them, they're not going to match up with them toe to toe, and they know they're not. They're not going to be able to. They're not going to look at that team sheet and go, right, lads, Neymar, Mbappe, Cavani, fullbacks, bomb forward. You know what you're doing. Then they know they're not going to do that, so they're going to, you know, they're going to go Jose Mourinho and park the bus. Uh, you know they're going to sit deep. They're going to they're going to pack the middle, and they're going to move out to the wide, and they're going to frustrate the, the the forwards because obviously a lot of the creativity comes from there. You mentioned you know Mounier is one of my favourite players in the team because he's so reliable and he pops up with he pops up with two goals this week, and you know they win the game. I think that kind of shows the effect that the defence almost had on restricting some of the of the forward play. You know, I wasn't able to watch the match. I was, I was, I was covering another game at the time on Saturday, so I only had the alerts coming through on, 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 on my phone and whatnot. But from what I saw in the highlights and catching up with it earlier today and yesterday, they frustrated them. You know, obviously PSG had a lot of the ball, but they weren't able to carve them open. You know, as easily as they would at teams at home. So I think the away games are where they're gonna, where they're gonna struggle. You know, struggle as much as they can with that team. And they're going to find it tough, and they're not going to beat teams four, five nil every week away from home. It will be the two nils or the one nils or the two ones because these teams will sit deep. They will frustrate them, and every now and again they will score a goal like was scored this weekend, which was absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's an absolutely fabulous goal. It comes out of absolutely nowhere in that game, and and I've seen Benjamin Jano a number of times, and he's a decent player, but I don't think he'll ever dream of hitting anything like that again. <laughs> it was an unbelievable strike. Um, but Peter, we've mentioned briefly. This is PSG away from home. They they struggled against Montpellier. They struggled for the longest time against Mets until the uh, the referee got involved. It started to become a pattern, isn't it? A little bit, a little bit. I, I think one of the things I took from the game is that PSG were able to put Draxler and Alves in centre mid and still win the game. Um, and I think that's quite disconcerting. Um, I do, I do, I, Dijon were excellent. They were really, really good. Um, they really pressed them. I thought Sheka was very good in midfield. I mean, Rabiot was the only recognised centre mid really for PSG relatively. And that, that's credit to Dijon um, and Delalio's men. Um, what, what are we thinking? So, I think 
for for PSG away from home, uh, they, <laughs> they've uh, they've they have struggled. I mean, against Montpellier, they blamed the pitch, didn't they? they, they, they which was, uh, you know, some kind of excuse, but they were very, very tepid. Again, they were they were slow here. It's there was a I think what I was reading about the game, especially, was that PSG approached it almost in a complacent manner, which is, you know, that's that's one aspect that Emery's going to have to get right, and it'd be very difficult for him to avoid, especially when they all know that um, in terms of quality, they they are a level above, and the primary focus is the Champions League. And so when they do go to a place like Dijon, the, the natural reaction is to, to step back, foot off the gas, we'll win the game. It doesn't always work like that. And I think that will slowly become a pattern because it's important that they generate momentum, especially for European football. You can't be strolling through your league games and then go straight into Europe and turn it on. It doesn't always work like that. Um, for In terms of away form, I think... Well, I, what, looking at the game itself, I mean, we t I just touched upon the, the midfield, looking at Alves and um, and uh, Draxler. Um, it was good that they won the game, but for in terms of how the game actually panned out, um, there are some real flaws in there. It's interesting that Emery didn't trust his youngsters. He didn't trust Nkunku. Um, is it Georgiak, is the other one? Um, mm -hmm. Didn't trust him either in midfield. So, and he's gone for Alves. And I think... As far as I'm aware, Alves doesn't have the as much experience as a central midfielder, and that was that was exposed a little bit. Going forward, he seemed very keen to put to bomb on in the, on the right side of the field, but defensively, uh, it was a little exposed, and and Rabiot wasn't was not able to control the game from his position. And Draxler, as always, seems to just disappear in some games um, on the road. He, he may he may as well he may as well have not travelled, um, but. From that perspective, there's, there's a slight concern, obviously, without Verratti and, and Motta. But, but then, on the other hand, they're coming back midweek for the Champions League. Emery's proven, in a way, that they can be rested. He can play whoever he likes in midfield, and they'll still do okay. I think um, Lo Celso will be disappointed he didn't get more game time. I mean, Emery, again, was slow to make his changes. Once the changes came, they seemed to up their ante. Um, but I think also one other thing just to add to that is that PSG could have been out of sight. I mean, Di Maria's missed an open goal. Mbappe missed a couple of chances that he really should have scored. And Baptiste Rene had a had a glorious game. Um, and then, of course, the, <laughs> the equaliser was, was superb. I mean, uh, caught Ariola flat-footed. It was more central than I realised on the, on the replay when you watch it from the other angle. It was, was very much down the middle. And I mean, I guess you could be harsh and say he could have saved it, but it was uh, so unexpected. <laughs> from a player, as you were saying, uh, Nathan, of, of Jano's calibre. So, um, but yeah, I think PSG on the road, um, they will want to improve. They will need to improve if they want to go further in Europe. And um, But for Dijon, you know, they, they were really impressive and uh, that bodes yeah. well for them in future. Yeah, and it does give a minor worry if you think that, that the, if, the, if certain players are injured that uh, they maybe look a little bit weaker if they have to face tougher teams in Ligue 1 or especially in the Champions League, it, it, they could be exposed and there's a big little bit of a worry, at least anyway. I, I just want to quickly mention Dijon's performance overall, really, because I, I think it gives them a little bit of hope, really. They're, they're in a tough spot at the moment. They are near the bottom of the table, in, well, second from bottom, to be absolutely precise. But the, this kind of result, as we've seen with a couple of the teams, maybe not Mets, obviously, because they... They were heavily beaten in the end, and that's not really seen them kick on. But especially in Montpellier, who um, have been terrific in the last couple of weeks, I think I think Dijon can take real heart from that. I mean, they showed that they could defend for long spells of this game, and that has been their weakness in other games. We all think that of Dijon, and we think that they're a team that grab goals and that probably will let a few in at the same time. Rich always mentions that he enjoys watches, watching them do that, but... The fact that they could stay for about 70 minutes without conceding against the best team in Liga, one of the best teams in Europe, is a real statement of what they can do if they put their minds to it. They do that against some of the teams around them. They score goals and and they'll, they'll be comfortable by the end of the season. I'm not going to say they're going to pull up trees or anything like that, but they can be safely away from that relegation battle. They've got some really nice players in the midfield. They've got... They, they've at least not lost an enormous amount by losing Luis Dioni. I thought it would be a much bigger loss than he has been, um, goals-wise especially. But 
I've been really impressed with what they showed at the weekend. And if they can keep replicating that form, I'm sure the manager will be banging on at the, to, to continue that. This this could be a real jump-off point for them to start believing that maybe we do deserve to be in this league and maybe we do we can do what uh, many have doubted us to do so far this season. And even though they lost, congrats to them. They, they almost nicked it and that would have been a real surprise to get a draw from there. Um, We've talked about this upcoming team, at least anyway, quite a bit this season, but now it seems really to be the jump-off point, really. Um, Wren's lost to Gamgomp this weekend, saw numerous fans call for um, Christoph... Not Christoph, <laughs> going into the person who's trying to replace him. Um, Christian Gorkoof's head. Um, there's banners around the stadium and the city after the game. Uh, Peter... Is he now in the gallows waiting for the guillotine? We've seen reports earlier today that the 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 president of the club is possibly leaving. He's come to dispel those as well. There's rumours that it might be Galtier coming in, Christophe Galtier, or, or, or it could be even be Claude Powell called in. Uh, how do you think this situation is going to peter out? Because it it's starting to look like the end, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's been in the gallows for a while, especially if you listen to what some of the Ren supporters have been saying. Um, yeah, I think there, there comes a point where you've got to make the change. I mean, one win from nine games. I mean, it's, it's absolutely appalling by Ren standards. And, they, and for the money they've spent. Um, they spent 35 million euros in the summer under uh, Ruello and, and Gorkuth. And what we have seen has not been good enough. And I mean... Uh, I wrote something for on the site uh, a month ago now, talking about you know the investments they've made and the criticism girls come back to Gorku for not using the right players. And obviously there there are excuses that can come forward. You know we've got injuries, and obviously Ismail Asar is the biggest one at the moment. Um, Johan Gorku is one that's always peddled out in times of trouble. Um, but also the lack of signing a striker. I mean there was the Diafra Sacco saga on the last day of the season. Um, but there's who they what they did bring in. They they brought in some real quality like Moassa, Burijo has been a revelation in midfield. He's been quietly excellent in a side that has really underperformed. I think he's one of he could be one of the well. I think he can really push on this season. Um, I know the right manager. Um, fundamentally, the issue with Ren is how is where they're playing and, and the system. Um, he's been so rigid with his four four one one slash four four two with the desire to have some kind of fluidity, as he talks about, that we haven't really seen. And we saw a bit of it with Kazri. So Kazri's come in and he's looked good. And he was really, he was excellent against Marseille. So that bodes well for him for the future, that he can sort of rehabilitate his career. But um, he's not a centre forward. And, and neither really is Mubele, from, from my perspective. I think, um, I think ideally they'd rather a, 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 more, a better focal point than, than someone like Mabele, who wants to be on the last man on the shoulder. Um, he has been very good, to be fair to him. Um, but for, for me, the way Ren have been setting up screams for a 4-3-3. Um, but it seems like Gorkuf is not receptive to make those changes. Uh, obviously, we've had the, the Ben Sabaini trouble. Um, that wasn't the case this weekend in, this, in, this, in the Celtico against um, Gangol. But they were really poor in the first half, Ren. And it's not as though we're seeing a side that's, that's, rally, that's rallying behind the manager, is playing well and is just not getting the results. It's, it's a side that seems to be falling and tumbling quite rapidly. I mean, the assistant was sent off, sent to the stands. Kadri was sent off after the goal. Um, Ruello came out after the game and called the referee a pretentious something. What did he call him? Pretentious. Uh, he called him pretentious something. And it just screams of a ship that is really, really sinking. And... For uh, Pino, the owner, he's got to be looking at his investment and thinking, this isn't right. I've spent so much money on this, something I don't normally do. I never do. My, my, my wallet is covered in dust. I've dusted it off just for these two. Ruelli's gone out and spent the money. He spent it well. I think he has spent it well. He didn't get the forward, as I was saying. But they're not performing on the, fit, on the pitch, and that's what matters. And <laughs> for their outlay, they, they should not be where they are. And I think... A change is very likely, and I'd be very surprised if if, if uh, it doesn't happen very very soon. I mean, we, Gautier and, um, and Puel are linked, aren't they? So uh, I wonder what they could bring that would, that would be improved. I think Gautier would be a really good choice. Um, I'm sure we'll talk talk about that in a moment. But yeah, he's in real trouble, Gorky. Real trouble. 
Yeah, and let's let's go through their season, Tom, before I bring the questions to you, really. And start of the season in August, a draw against Twan when we had optimism. 2-1 at Lyon wasn't too bad. 2-2 draw against Dijon, not great. Lost to Toulouse, not great either. And then there was the little bit of the mystery to them. We thought, oh, the Marseille game that with Wabi Kazri joining just after the window, they looked a little bit better. Nice, they were very unlucky, really. Saint-Etienne, again, they they maybe had it snatched underneath them, but that also maybe not them because then they lose to Con at home. They lose pretty comfortably, really, in the end to Gangon. It could have been three or four, really. They, they were pretty awful at the weekend. That just starts the smell of a squad that's given up a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's really unfortunate because I remember, you know, I've been I've been involved in the preview show of this previously, and I think I've spoken about how I think the last time I was on it, I was saying, you know, if Rangers get one more result, if they get one more win, this could kickstart them. We could see a completely different Ren next week, and I think you could probably look at that every week they played, probably from about the, the, the first or second game onwards. And you could have said the same thing and you would have had the same result afterwards. You know, they had that that, that upturn in fortune, or form rather, where you thought, oh, maybe there's something there. Maybe they can get something working. But uh, they, I think you were saying it was against Nice, where they were, they were rather unlucky. And it looked like they just shattered them. It looked like it just shattered the confidence. And nobody knows, nobody seems to really know what's going on anymore or what to do. And, you know, it's like Peter was saying, everything's going wrong at the moment. Sometimes you can just get bad results. That's, that's bad enough. You know, the, play, the players want to play. The players want to, yeah, some clubs anyway, so the players want to play for the manager. They want to get their results. They're just, they're just unlucky. And then you get players that fall out with each other and then fall out with the manager. That's, that's, that happens. But what's happening now is everything seems to be going wrong. Assistants are getting sent off. Players are ranting and raving about the referee post game, and they're not picking up the results. You know, they're getting injuries every now and again to some key players. You know, and they're just they're just not picking up the results. And ultimately, you know, it's just unfortunate from their part. But Gukov is in massive trouble, and I think I was actually seeing on the uh, GFFN Twitter page, which you know is a mighty fine account. If you're not if you listen to this and don't follow it, you probably should. But I think I read that Gurkhoff and the sporting director has been are going to get sacked, and Gaultier is going to come in. I think that's a good move. Is it's nothing spectacular, you know. It's not going to get headlines around the world, but it's going to stabilise the club and it's going to stabilise them on the pitch. And right now, that's what they need. They need a couple of good uh, good results just to get everybody everybody back on the same track. And then when they've got everybody back, everybody's confident is confident. They're going well and everything like that. Then they can start to look forward and push on. But for the moment, they just need someone to stabilise them, someone to get their confidence back and keep their heads up. And right now, in terms of who's available, I don't think there's anybody better. It's it's also tough thinking about those candidates, really, uh, Peter, that you mentioned earlier as well. I mean, Christophe Galtier, excellent manager. We all think that. But at the same time, he's maybe a little bit unadventurous at times. There was questions thrown at Claude Powell as well last season at Southampton that he played a boring style of football despite that that time we obviously know him from Nice where he played some really great football. Is there's question marks over both of them. Which one would you take out of the out of the two? I think I would so originally I would go with Powell, but I think uh, Galtier probably would be the safer pair of hands. And I think I mean you're looking at both of them, you you're not gonna get very excited about it, but um, there won't be a Conseil Sau effect, that's for sure. Uh, the thing about Gautier is when you look at what he did at Sanity, and it's a quite, a, it's a relatively similar set of circumstances. You've got Ren struggling near the bottom of the table in the same way that Saint-Étienne were when he took over. He then stabilized their ship and turned them into consistent Europa League pushing sides. And that's exactly what Ren want to be. That's uh, Pino's stated outco- um, outcome from his investment. That's the position that I think most supporters expect them to be. And I think Gauti is a man to do that. Um, he liked to play a 4-3-3, which I think is probably a good thing. And I think that would suit them very well, as I was saying earlier. So for me, he does slightly edge it. Um, obviously, Puel at Southampton was 
slightly boring. Um, there was a, a real lack of goals. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that's too disconcerting. I think it's at the back that they've had a lot of problems, uh, Ren. Um, and if they can shut up shop, that would help. I mean, Kubek's come in and goal and he's done very well. I think he's a really good addition and that's, that's helped a little bit. Um, but obviously you've still got Nanyon, you've got Nancy playing at the moment, very young. Um, Nanyon obviously was superb last season. He's done okay this year. Um, he's, he's established himself as a, an integral part of the side and I wonder from his perspective, he's probably thinking he wish he jumped ship over the summer or had the chance to because um, he, he doesn't look like he's going to be able to push on this season. But but I think, you know, tightening up is, will be important. And Puel likes to play a, a cautious style of style of football in the same way that Galtier does. Um, so I don't think Ren, Ren supporters will get too excited about it. But at the same time, I don't think they expect, they're not expecting very much. I think at the moment they would just take the points. Um, so of the two, I, I would take Galtier just for his track record at, at Sanity and, and what that meant. Um, longer term, if, you, if they're looking to, to play progressive, attractive football, then that can be something that can be addressed at a later point. But right now, Renner are, are a club in crisis and uh, they need someone to come in and stabilise the ship. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to finish this topic off, really, I, I need to be the voice of, uh, well, conjure the voice of Rich Allen, who's unfortunately off through illness this week. And I, I think we need to say that for the Ren fans and, and the, those that have, have suffered, we, we all thought at the start of the season, a number of great signings. I, I'm a big fan of Ishmaeli Sar. I think Feitu Mawas has got great potential as well. Peter, you've mentioned Burrigo as well. He's had a, a great start to the season as well. We like the move of Kazri as well, but Christian Gorkov's a man who's fitting uh, square pegs in round holes. He really is. Uh, the talent that he's got uh, is disposable. Out of all league and teams, I, I think it's a top seven side minimum, um, especially with the money spent. I can't believe that a, a man of that experience, and in league and especially, and across the globe, he's a very experienced manager with great successes, but he's really crippling this team at the moment, in all honesty. He's such an expressive player like Ishmaeli Saar, who was, who was fantastic at times for, for Mets last season. He's decided that he's a striker. He is not a striker. Um, Feitu Muasa, he seems to drift in and out of games. I don't think he's the greatest on the right wing. He probably played his best football on the left wing or, or even at left back. He just because yeah. yeah, I think he's a great option there. I think sometimes... Teams are too willing to push some great fullbacks into winging, wing positions just because they're worried about um, their defensive possibilities. But trust him and put some trust in some of these players and put them where you need to be. I just don't understand it. I remember seeing Rich Allen at the weekend as well getting really frustrated that they weren't throwing another striker on. They weren't trying to get the goals that they needed to get back into the game. They were just accepting defeat. And I think the petulance from, from Wabi Kazri as well for his red card, really personified it. I mean, he's clearly having to go at the referee at something. It might be the littlest of things, but he's clearly said enough to a referee to be booked, and that should be alarming enough. That's the first real sign we've seen of, of discontent, of of petulance, and, and that should be the alarm bell that should really see that guillotine fall on, on Christian Gorkuf's neck, because in all honesty, um, he should do, be doing a lot, lot better. And another man in the helm maybe can salvage it at this time. There's plenty of time in the league left. If they leave Gorkov in charge, though, he feels like he's a bit of a gangrene. And they, let's amputate the leg before we have to pronounce them. That's what I want to say, really. I think that would be enough. It's, it's quite interesting because we, we talk about Ren and, and the attacking talent. And obviously, we're looking at Gauti and Puel and we're saying, oh, well, you know, we stabilise the ship, which they do need to do. But I think when we watch them, I think, judging from what you've just said as well, Nathan, and... What we what Rich has been saying, you just want them to just let the horses bolt because there's some really good young attacking players and and I mean yeah there are some problems at the back but they should really be just going all out. They've got so much pace, they've got so much flair, and I think you know you you want someone to come in and just say John, just go for it. I want you to take games by the scruff of the neck. I want you to scare scare teams. <laughs> there's so much young and young there's so much youthfulness and you know that's so important especially when you want to push on and and you're attacking sides, and there's so much potential there. And I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like for Ren, it's, it's, uh, whoever comes in is not going to do that. Um, but I think fundamentally they want results. But I think 
underlying everything is this this need for a squad that you know just, just let them go and you know let them let them attack sites because imagine if they did i mean with, with if obviously sar is now is now uh, injured which is a real shame but you throw moassa at people you throw sar at people um let kazri loose and you know and suddenly you've got a really attacking side that's actually going to you're worried about what harm they can do to you and at the moment sides aren't worried about that because they're not really being pushed it's a huge game of the weekend against Leo. Absolutely huge, especially if Gorky It feels like that kind of game is going to create a black hole in the middle of the pitch and suck everything into it really, oh, at the moment. It's not really going to be football, is it? It's just <laughs> no, I, I think that might be a that might be a funeral march rather than anything else. <laughs> that game. It's a bit of a two sides completely in the wrong direction, and they probably will. It's like you no, know, it's timesing zero by zero at the moment, really, between those two. Um, <laughs> Let's go on to our league on snapshots really now and let's put some positivity back in back into this. And I'll start with you, Tom. What's your league on snapshot for this week? This might sound really, really anticlimactic. And I'm glad it does because I am loving how boring Nance are <laughs> this season. You know? I mean, Claudio Ranieri isn't apart from his time at Leicester, and I'm gonna have a lot of people mention oh but he won the league, yeah. He's not exactly the most expensive, you know, playing manager. And I, I was looking at the table beforehand before we started this, and you know, I, I completely forgot they were fifth. I completely forgot they were fifth level on points with third, San Etienne on seventeen points. They're only two points off second. That is incredible. But what I love most about it and they got a good 1-1 draw against a very good Bordeaux side, one that I really enjoy watching. Seven goals scored, six against. That is dull, and I love it. I adore that. That, that stat is one of my favourites, because they're doing so well. You know, they're, they're flying high relatively in, in, a, in, in, a, in, a, <laughs> in and around teams that they shouldn't. They've got a one goal difference, and they've not conceded, they've not conceded more than six. Neither neither are double figures. It's brilliant. I think there should be more attention on this. <laughs> We've mentioned not a few times so far this week. I keep bringing up how their their winning streak was going, and five out of seven is not bad going at all. I mean, they're, they're against rubbish teams, aren't they? But they <laughs> and they do play some dull as dishwater football. I mean. I think they goal summed it up really at the weekend. It was sort of eventually bundled in, but it, they are not. That, that adds ahead. to it. That, that, that adds to it. It, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as entertaining if they were scoring thirty yard screamers. You can only play boring football if you score scrappy goals, and there was nothing more scrappy than that goal earlier uh, as well against Bordeaux, rather. And I think it. You know what? I'm all for this. I'm all for Nantes doing really well this year. If they keep playing like this. Ah, oh, you know, count me in. I'm firmly in that bandwagon. I may be the only one on, on there, but I'm happy to lead it. <laughs> the, the Leo Dubois one sort of goes against that one, I suppose. The one against Strasbourg, because that was a lucky one, because that's his first ever goal. But that, that's probably the perfect <laughs> anomaly to have in that uh, scenario. Uh, Peter, what's your choice this week? I'm kind of being anticlimactic as well. I mean, we've picked it up after such a great weekend of football. Um, I'm going with the amount of misses that have been absolute shockers this weekend. <laughs> um, starting off with Jimmy Breon, which is a bit harsh, but it's very, very funny. Uh, if you haven't seen it, he's, uh, he's played through on goal. Well, no, he's nicked the ball back off, off a, a shabby Wren defence, as, as you would expect. He goes past Kubek, in, in, uh, who's come out to, to stop him, and he's, he's lost his balance. And he, it's, it's, it's torturous watching it as he, he just stumbles forward before knocking the ball wide. It is definitely worth a watch. But that, that's just one example of a number of shockers this weekend. Uh, Nkololo missed an absolute sitter for Cobb. Um, Di Maria also missed an open goal. A little bit trickier, a little bit height on it, but then again, it's still an open goal. There was a, a glorious double miss last night um, for Strasbourg, where Ahulu, Ahulu uh, hit the post from a yard. On the on on the he was running in late, so you know you could maybe excuse him, but then Terrier misses the follow up as well. Another glorious chance. Balotelli and player also conspired to miss another sitter after Congre for Montpellier just squares the ball in one of the worst passes you'll ever see. And player misses the first shot, falls to Balotelli. All he has to do is stroke it into the net. Somehow he gives Lecomte the chance to save it. Um, so yes, my snapshots are shocking misses, which is a uh, 
a shame to say that on a weekend of so many great goals. Yeah, I I love that one actually. I really enjoyed the Strasbourg one. That was so frustrating that they didn't put oh, that so in. It, Strasbourg, wasn't it? It, it? it would have just clapped it off in there. The, the Jimmy Brion one. It's almost like a, a banana peel in a Mario Kart, isn't it? He's, yeah. he's, he's going, he's going, he's going, and he, he he tries so hard. That's the best bit to try and steer it towards the goal, and it just goes absolutely nowhere. It's uh, wonderful. Um, I've got a well, a couple as I usually do, and I've got two of them are really nice little moments. I think um, the first one was in Lille. Um, we saw the 20 that were injured in that uh, unfortunate incident in Amiens uh, presented in front of the crowd beforehand to a much rapturous applause, sorry. And uh, that was really, really wonderful to see. Um, it could have been a lot worse and it's great to see all of them recovering and recovering nicely, even though a few uh, need a couple of crutches to get onto the field. And uh, another one, a great display at Montpellier who all wore pink shirts in uh, in uh, honour of uh, breast cancer month, which is October, even Michel de Sicarian got into the, the antics of that with his nice little uh, pink scarf on the sideline. Yeah, but it's really suited him, didn't it? It, br- it brought yeah. out it brought out his steely eyes, I think. For, <laughs> if we're going to be flair, it doesn't seem right. <laughs> it felt, but yeah, it felt so wrong, but yet so right, didn't it? I think. Um, but it brought out the, the greatness in Mont- uh, Montpellier, which excellent little win. But I, I think I have to mention it, and I think we'll all touch on it briefly. Is we had some excellent games this weekend, but the three-three in Strasbourg against Marseille was an absolute barnstormer. Really, if you've not caught this game, I know there was a number of different games on, including the the Milan derby that rightfully deserved some attention. But this was an absolute barnstormer. It was end to end for the almost the entirety of the game. There was silly moments. There was rubbish defending. There was deflections galore. It, it will live in Adil Rami's nightmares for the rest of eternity, I think. He's had, he has two abysmal <laughs> goals, doesn't he? It, it, the first one is deflected off someone else and then comes off what is, is almost is a nether region, it almost seems like, in the first one, and then it bounces into the net. And then one cannons off his head and he, he, he really can't help himself. And then he, if, and he... Was he the man in the way as well of the third one? Am I right? Yeah, he's not having the best of times in Ligue 1 again, is he? But um, Strasbourg, again, they're scrappy. They they love an ugly goal. They, they never seem to quite have everything right to each other. It's, it's so good to watch. And Marseille always feel like they're on the brink of being good and... In all honesty, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I thought Kostas Mitroglu was was pretty good the other night. He missed a decent chance, but he did nick the one, although the one that he definitely didn't head. Tovang runs up to him after that second and he goes, did, did you head it? And Mitroglu's like, absolutely not, no. <laughs> but uh, I, I know you really enjoyed it, Peter. It, it, it just was uh, in a weekend of, of great football. It was one of the, one of the pick of the bunch. Yeah, no, it was a really, really good game. And I think it was so Strasbourg, just everything about it. The enthusiasm, you know, going after the game, scoring goals that are really scrappy. And, you know, (laughs) it's the only way they seem to be able to score goals at the moment. Missing chances, Marseille defending appallingly. I mean, it was just everything playing up to how it's been, really. Um, Do have to give a shout out to uh, Dimitri Leonard for his goal. Um, Shades of Jeremy Grimm. Uh, when he scored the third against Lille. Leonard's been there since the third tier. He's been there for a while. And I think he would have really enjoyed that moment. And I think he would have enjoyed it more if they hadn't conceded late <laughs> on. Um, after Kamara spills a, a long-range effort. I think it's from Payet, isn't it? Uh, and Mitroglu comes in and, and puts it away. Um, but yeah, it was a great game. It really was. Um, but as you were saying about Rami, he, was, he had an absolute nightmare. I mean, his marking for the second goal for Kone's header is just appalling. He has no idea he's there, and it's a free header from six yards out. And then I think the first one is a bit harsh because, you know, it's, it's, it's a second ricochet, isn't it? So there's not very much he can do about it. And then the third one is just a glorious header into the net, isn't it? So, um, yeah, a, a great... I would, I would say a great advert for Liga. I would say it's a great advert for the entertainment of Liga. I wouldn't say for the quality of football necessarily. Um, but no, it was, a, it was a great game and another missed opportunity for Strasbourg. Um, and you do feel like that the more they let these kind of games go, the more it's going to get to them and you know that, that could pull them down. And I do worry about them now. I was quite confident uh, before the season started that they'd invested quite well 
um, but it's, it's not going as well. They do pack out the main island. They have such a sensational atmosphere there. It'd be such a shame to lose them. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's a real shame that they didn't hold on for the win um, last night. Absolutely. It, it felt like if they could hold on, it was one of those moments that might be really a catalyst to those kind of seasons. But yeah, it's. But hopefully they can sort of build on that and the atmosphere that they created last night and uh, go from there. But let's take some questions now for the finishing part of this podcast. And the first one comes from Finbar Evans, and I'm I'm going to edit it slightly for you, Finbar, because we have mentioned him already. Because that, he asks, "What the, does the future hold for Memphis Depay?" But what I'm going to change that to and, and present it to you both. I'm going to start with you, Tom. Um, so it's next summer. Where's Memphis Depay? Real Madrid. <laughs> he's completely his dream he's gone. No, in all seriousness, um, I expect him to stay. I expect him to stay. He doesn't have a World Cup to show up, you know, to to, to perform in because obviously the Netherlands aren't there and he, I, he isn't going to Real Madrid. I just want to make that clear. I was joking. He isn't going there. But I, I expect him to stay for two reasons, mainly because I think he has no choice but to pull up his socks and perform. And because I don't think anyone, anyone's, I don't think anyone really wants him. Mm, that's that's the worry. How about you, uh, Peter? I agree that I, I fully expect him to still be at Leon. I would say if if I had to choose somewhere for him to be elsewhere, I wouldn't be surprised he ends up back in Holland. Um, I think it could get to that point where he goes back to where he first found himself. He could end up back at PSV if they want to take him. Uh, I, I think they would welcome with with open arms. So. I think if if things continue to go sour as they seem to be, then I wouldn't rule out a move back to back to the Netherlands. But for now, yeah, I think he I should just, really stay and push on. If he was to go anywhere, I, I was like you, Peter. I do think he's going to stay at Leon. But if he is going to go anywhere, I just he seems to suit Besiktas really well. And I can see him there. Him and him on one wing, Charisma on the other. It just seems to fit well. Yeah, is it Ryan Babble going to be on the phone to him? Do you think in, in the uh, in the pursuing video as well? <laughs> um, I, I'm going to actually. I, I think he won't be at Leon. I think you've well. Peter's pretty much now the the club I thought he was. I think it'll be a loan deal back to PSV for the season. Maybe that helps him rediscover himself some a little bit, but I'm not so certain it will do. But I think that's where he might ending up let's uh, take another one then and this one is from uh, Thomas or at WYS man um, any players that have gone under the radar in these first few games so I- I'm going to give you both a little bit of respite and pick my choice um, to give you a little bit of thinking time <laughs> jumping this <laughs> one on you and my man's uh, Montpellier's Jerome Larousselon He's been really, really good this season at left-back. He's been really offensive. He's really great in the final third at picking passes, at taking players on and and putting the ball in the box into dangerous areas. I mean, Steve Mounier would would have been a a dream for them, really, if he was still there as well. But um, Rousseau Alon has been an excellent left-back. He's still... he's I think he's about 24 now. He's not too old still. He maybe still is looking for eventually getting another step up. And I think this might be the season that we see him move into a sort of Saint-Étienne, maybe even further up than that uh, in the uh, in the Ligue 1 period, pyramid, sorry, because fullbacks are super important in this modern game. And getting a good one is really hard, especially one that can that can create as well as defend. And Roussillon is proving to be a man that can do that this season. Um, I'll go to you, Peter. Who Who is uh, someone you think's flown under the radar? We mentioned him earlier, so I've got I've got three actually for you. Um, Burrigo is one. Um, he has been a shining light in a Ren side that looks more like the apocalypse. Um, he's been superb. He scores goals from long range. He's got really good passing ability. Creates opportunities. I think he's got one of the highest um, chance creation rates in the league. Uh, I think we'll see more from him, and hopefully, under better stewardship and in better circumstances, he he will become a more mainstream figure. Uh, Samasa at Trois is another one in goal. I think he's been superb. He, I think he single-handedly won them a lot of points. Um, last week he was sensational. Um, so for, hopefully for them he can keep that up. And also Bamba at, uh, at San Etienne. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about whether he'd be able to push on this season. And, you know, he's, he's done really well under Oscar Garcia. He's found a new level and um, I've been very impressed with him as well. He's adding goals to his game. 
Yeah, the only worry about Bamber is that the uh, the contract stall uh, in recent weeks, and that's left him out the side of the yeah, weekend no, as well, yeah. which uh, they'd need to sort that out if they can. It's easier said than done sometimes. Uh, Tom, who do you have? I've just had to uh, look him up. <laughs> okay. Because I, I wasn't sure about his stats. And he, uh, to my surprise, he's only played five games so far this season. But I've been really impressed impressed with uh, Fulham Mendy at Lyon. He's a player that I really enjoy watching so far. And you know, it's, it's a bit it's a bit harsh to say five games he's flown under the radar. He maybe hasn't played as much as others. But he's someone that I think should be getting a lot more credit than he deserves, and that he's been getting. I think you know he's a really good attacking left back, and I think there was a uh, there was a period, of, like a little short play he did the other night against Monaco, where he dribbled. I think it was him anyway. I hope it was where he dribbled about like th- three or four Monaco players, and they just couldn't get anywhere near him. And it, you know, left back French left backs called Mendy are the trend at the moment. So hopefully he can uh, carry on. And I think he's definitely been re- played really well this season. Someone to look out for. Absolutely, he looks a really, really nice find again. The Leon Academy keeps uh, keeps churning him, or, or at least keeps buying youngsters, I suppose. And the the uh, measure of fail on Mendy. Uh, that's all for this week. My thanks to Peter, Tom, and all of you listening at home. Join us for the preview show on Thursday, and the main show will be back at the same time, same place, with our special 100th episode. So do tune in next week. Abianto and goodbye. <laughs>